and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy as always. We have a very special episode today with three, three very special guests. Jeremy's going to introduce them but we really hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for tuning in once again and thank you Adrian, Hunter and Denise for being with us today. Hunter and Dennis. Hunter and Dennis. Hunter and sorry. <laughs> <laughs> for being with both, us today both of my personalities <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here we are. it's actually the first time we have more than one guest uh so let's see how <laughs> we in this place how <laughs> we've never done that before um i'm not gonna spend too much time introducing each of you individually because you've all been guests uh on a podcast before um adrian and denise that was about one year ago already, and Sari was a few weeks ago. So I will link all the episode in the description, show note thing, so people can uh, learn more individually about all of you. Uh, we have a special series of episodes coming in the next few weeks. Uh, Rosie and I completed a yoga teacher training with the three of you a few weeks ago uh, in January, February, and March. And with we learned a ton of things and we're going to get into it, but we thought that it would be great to share a little bit of what we learned uh, through a few episodes. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to talk about the training and the work the three of you are, are doing and why you're doing whatever you're doing. And then we have uh, three episodes coming with guests that came during the training to just bring a different vision of what yoga can be. Uh, let's just try to keep it simple. <laughs> um, so maybe to start, um, could you, each of you tell us uh, what's your role in the foundation and in the training that we did together? We sorry. can start with sorry. sorry. <laughs> We're going to have to be more like this person, this person. <laughs> uh, I guess I guess it's my turn. So I'm um, the director of uh, training and education for the foundation. And that uh, kind of weaves into uh, your training uh, process. So we, it's, I guess it's um, a very interesting weaving of different things that we all dreamed for for training programs and and i guess it's my job to cull it all together and make sure it actually happens from a logistical uh standpoint and and put it all together figure out guest speakers figure out programming um how the weeks roll week to week and keep everything uh tidy organized happy and teaching all the way through <laughs> all of the above which is not easy to organize something with those two I know it. <laughs> ah. What are you talking about? It's wonderful. <laughs> um, what about you, Hunter? What's your role in the foundation uh, training? So uh, with the foundation itself, I'm uh, acting executive director. And um, I work with Adrian and all of our facilitators to bring our programs to places where uh, you know, trauma-sensitive yoga and, and meditation and other stress reduction practices are most needed. So we bring these practices to uh, places like homeless shelters and um, hospitals and both on the, we're working with uh, one hospital and bringing it on the patient side 
but then we also work with another um, hospital where we bring it to uh, to the physicians and the staff uh, who are you know working with extremely high stress uh, job and situations. And then um, what else? So for the for the training, um, I actually took my first yoga teacher training with Adrian um, shortly after we met. Um, that was when we lived in New York, and um, I. I teach yin yoga, um, so I always do a yin yoga uh, sort of module in our teacher trainings. But then, the other big thing that's uh, really a really big part of my life and what I like to bring to the to the training is about meditation and the more esoteric kind of stuff. So uh, yoga philosophy, ethics, uh, and meditation, and all the fun stuff about chakras and energy, subtle energy, and all that stuff. All the stuff that Jeremy loves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's his favorite part of the training. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you all about it. Sir. <laughs> and what about you, Adrian? Um, I guess I'm the, the, the crazy person who got very lucky to have amazing people working uh, with, uh, with Sari, uh, with Hunter, with Andrea. Um, so just i mean emphasizing on the training it's just it, it's one of the few trainings that i know that i came out of a need of wanting to give back to the community and reaching to the spaces where uh, we know there's uh, a need of uh, movement a need of meditation a need of yoga and uh, it's kind of a looking at what the world of yoga is these days and how we can tweak it a little bit to make it more accessible to uh, the populations that we uh, work on the foundation. So this was the first training uh, that we launched with that mentality. We want to empower yoga teachers not to be necessarily yoga teachers on yoga studios which is perfectly fine and we all need to do what we need to do but also teachers or facilitators with a understanding and a call to action to get involved in their communities that they belong and whatever there is an opportunity to share those teachings um, just to open a door just to create a new path whether whatever there's no community create community and so that was the underlying uh intention behind this 200 hour teacher training and i think we got extremely lucky by having people like the two of you and and it was an amazing experience and the fact that within just a couple of weeks after the completion of the teacher training we have so many of the facilitators already coming to the shelters, already teaching classes on their own. Um, I think I can speak uh, for Hunter and for Sari. We feel extremely proud and accomplished and looking forward to the next training in September. Mm. Yeah. So obviously for Rosie and I, that was our first yoga teacher training that we, we, we took. Uh, and so I'm not going to try to compare it with other because I don't know <laughs> other teacher training and that's that's not the point uh, the, to compare. But yeah, my 
experience of this training was the, and I told you that before, is I'd do it again without the yoga postures and everything. That's really, because um, I mean, we, we did all the the poses, the, the postural yoga that most people know. Um, and I've no idea how much hours that was into the 200 hours. Um, but personally, what I enjoyed the most was all the conversations that we had between the 26, seven of us in total, including the facilitators and everything, and, and all the guests that we had. Because, uh, yeah, like, everything we talked about was about life, how to be a good human being, how to be a better person in general. Um, and, and, and in this case, yoga is a tool to bring that to the world uh, and, and to share it to the world. Um, but I feel in, in, in a sense, yoga teacher training is not even a term that suited for the training that we did. Uh, it's, and I mean, you call it conscious yoga teacher training, um, but it's much more than a yoga teacher training. Uh, you could take all the yoga poses out and do a training this way and it would bring a tremendous amount of value to a ton of people, especially right now, <laughs> uh, maybe more than ever. Um, yeah, that's that's really like what I, that, that, that's really what I got from, from, from now. Uh, what about you, Rosie? What was your, your experience? And Same, like I think just talking about things that people don't really talk about and having like really difficult conversations was really scary at times, but also really amazing to hear other people's point of views and also personally to learn about all the trauma. Um, I'd never researched that before, I'd never learned about it before. And to learn about that has really helped me on a personal level with my one of my friends who's been through things and just kind of understand that and... I don't know it's just like it was just way more than yoga like it's not even I mean obviously the yoga was amazing as well but it was just so much more than we ever anticipated and it kind of just I feel like like every weekend I cried every weekend but also I was like like I can never unlearn this like everything you learn you think I'm never gonna forget this like I can't just go back to normal life again (laughs) does that make sense like you can't ever just forget about everything you've spoken about and everything and everyone you've spoken to as well and it was just yeah, I mean, I, Amazing. I, we, I think we did mention that at some point in training is that, you know, there, there's so much that you know, and there's so much that you know that you don't know. You don't know that you don't know, and now we know that we don't know much, <laughs> yeah. so we need to learn more. Yeah. But at least now we know that we don't know about it, and but it's out there. Uh, so now it's up to us to learn more about it and, and do something about it. Um, no, I but know yeah. what you're saying, because... Uh, <laughs> That was our intention from the very beginning, was to deliver a very, uh, in, in an, we try as much as we could in an easy way to digest a lot of information that usually gets pushed away or overlooked in the context of yoga. And we try to look at what's happening in our society and address as many points that a yoga teacher could be an agent of change and it's not happening all the time. So we wanted to empower each of the participants of the training to have a a wide lens of what's happening and how we can fit into, uh, into 
modern culture through yoga and make a change. And I lo- and I remember you when when you mentioned to us that even if we didn't do any of yo- of the physical yoga, you felt that you received more than you were expecting. And I remember Hunter and I, we always have conversations about the way that we connect with participants, with students. We always want to deliver more than the expectation. And that was very clear uh, uh, for us from the very beginning. Uh, And having Sari with her amazing background and the work that she does uh, elevated the experience. We also were very lucky to have a faculty with Andrea Borrero joining from New York, Juliana, uh, our yoga therapist, and support from the international yoga community, people such as Diane Bondi, Amber Kearns, Giovanna Heyman. We also knew that the way that we were portraying this teacher training, it couldn't be done just with three people. We needed to reach out to those people who are out there in the Instagram and because Instagram is the way uh, of communication where people are getting first the first impression of yoga, but also the people who are doing specific training such as adaptability, racism. So we wanted our students to get all of that. And, and that's why I'm not surprised when Rosie says that some weekends might have been overwhelming. But we knew where we were getting into it. We did that intentionally. Um, yeah. Um, Hunter, if you want to take this one, um, part of the training, and it's also actually a module that you have outside of the training and, and you have one coming in, in the next few weeks. Uh, it's a trauma informed yoga weekend where you teach us how to deliver uh, trauma-informed classes. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the, well, maybe for a start, because most people don't know that, uh, what's a trauma-informed class and where is the motivation behind, well, creating a, a special module around that and why is it important right now? Yeah, as you mentioned, we, we run this uh, tra- trauma-informed yoga and and meditation training as a standalone training it's typically a two-day training but we felt it was really important to incorporate this module this two-day module uh, of trauma-informed yoga and and meditation into the 200-hour teacher training that that we ran uh, that we finished a few weeks ago and we'll be running again starting in september Um, because the I think the world of yoga, as Adrian mentioned, is changing, and there's a there's a tremendous need for uh, yoga teachers, movement teachers, whatever you want to call it, uh, that that bring an awareness of the of the fact that that you know a lot of people come to yoga with us with pain that they're carrying. And, and they actually can find healing in yoga, not just on a, on a, from a physical ailment, but very often from wounds to the psyche or the soul that are caused by experiences of trauma that they might've had in their past or even in an ongoing basis in the present. Um, so one of the things that you know, having studied this 
this material a little bit in that two-day training is that trauma is not just something that happens in the mind and you carry it with you in your thoughts. Trauma gets stored in the tissues of the body and it becomes an embodied thing, somatized. And, um, and so that's why things like uh, trauma-informed yoga that help people get into the body and experience the body and learn to experience once again a sense of safety in the body um, that's tremendously healing uh, because that, that's one of the main things that has been taken away from someone who's experienced a, a traumatic event or series of events right the, the feeling of safety and being safe in your own body so um, yeah I think that as Adrian mentioned yoga in, in, in its Western context needs to expand and grow beyond this limited idea of uh, people with uh, a certain amount of affluence going to a yoga studio and paying, you know, $30 or whatever it is to take a yoga class. We need to bring yoga to the people who need it most. And that's what we're really trying to do through the foundation, working with specific populations that uh, that really need these practices to heal. I've got a question for the three of you. Um, how did you all individually, how and when did you realize that yoga could be much more than what people think yoga is, the, the, the modern postural yoga? When, what was the, the click to say like, yoga can be so much more and can bring so much more to this world. So I'm going to do that now. Uh, maybe if you want to start, sorry. Um, I, I think the second that I, I did my first teacher training, the, the, it's an, the second I realized this was an eight limb path and that asana is one tiny part of it. I was just like, look, this, this whole other world of, of philosophy and meditation. And, and, you know, there's, there's this, asana's this tiny, tiny part. So that seed has always been there. I think we're just westernized this so much that all that most people are familiar with is modern postural yoga. They're not familiar with the yamas, the niyamas. And, you know, there's so much more. And that for me has always been the most fascinating part about yoga is yoga for me is how I live my life on a day-to-day -day basis, not what shapes I can get my body into. Like, yes, asana is a wonderful tool, um, you know, to help regulate our nervous systems, to keep us healthy. Uh, but for me, I realized very early on in my training that you know, there was so much more to this and so much more to explore and more of a way of how I live my life on a day-to-day um, basis so and not a lot of people are aware of that well and it's also something that you do on on a pretty daily basis because you also teach yoga uh to people with cancer yes, yes. so i mean yeah <laughs> yeah so echoing what sorry was saying um if you if you look beyond what we what we talked about as modern postural yoga in a in a sort of studio and fitness context which is mostly what you see on instagram and in, in gyms and in yoga, a lot of yoga studios, not all of them. Um, when you start to look beyond that and you study the roots of yoga and the philosophy of yoga and its history, you realize that it's it's much more than, um, than modern postural yoga and asana practice. It's a path of spiritual liberation. Um, 
on, a, on an individual and on a collective level. And you can't say that about Pilates. You can't say that about uh, bar. Uh, these are just exercise modalities, whereas yoga certainly has that aspect and that a lot of people enjoy that aspect of yoga, but it's so much more. Uh, and, and when we talk about liberation, you know, uh, the the way that yoga has uh, has been handed down through the through the millennia, uh, that sense of liberation is liberation from suffering. So when you want to look at the context of uh, what we're doing with the foundation and going into these places like homeless shelters or hospitals and helping people who are suffering to find some little bit of liberation from you know, the oppression of their traumas or their, or their physical suffering. Uh, that's, that's another kind of liberation. And it's a, a liberation that happens uh, in community and in connection, not just in a, in a cave, sitting on your meditation cushion by yourself. Mm. Yeah, something that you, that I remember, uh, and it was when, when you were teaching us about the, the history of yoga was, Something that really stuck with me is that actually, historically, yoga is meditation in a sense, uh, and and the movements are one tiny little part of the whole practice and the whole thing. Uh, but in in a sense, like if we if we look closer to, to everything, in a sense, what we now call meditation, I feel it, it makes more sense to call it yoga because of the eight limbs and everything like i i feel the calling yoga just the movement just what we see on if you google yoga uh you won't see what really yoga is you'll see just the the, the pose and the movement because that's obviously the most visually pleasing uh and, yeah. and the most uh, marketable but and I, I don't know how how much uh traction it has gotten but i, I know that a few years ago there was a, a little bit of a, of a trend of, among yoga teachers who, who merely teach modern postural yoga to stop calling it yoga and start calling it something like movement or you know, mm. fitness or whatever, whatever word you use. Yeah. But yoga is so much more. What about you, Adrian? When was the, cause you, you, you've been having a long career, but when, when was the declic when you thought again, yoga can be much more than just working out? Um, it's, it's a really good question actually. Uh, but piggybacking on what Sari and Hunter were saying, uh, I think that yoga represents many different things for a lot of people. For a lot of people in our country, it, it, it just came on the form of, of uh, on the form of a 45 or 60 minutes physical class, and then they were hooked because even on those 45 to 60 minutes, uh, you can sense that there is a practice or there is a background that is different than Pilates. So I don't want to discourage anyone who wants to teach yoga in that way because I've seen over the years the tremendous impact that that physical practice can have in someone who might just take three or four yoga classes a week, not only on their physical, but on the mental, and how much uh, how much of a difference it makes on their lives. 
uh, how much it it helps to helps them to build community and socialize and interact with other people to make new friends to befriend themselves without necessarily knowing that there's a big path and a big philosophy of yoga uh, in capital letters yeah. like the one we're describing here so i don't want to discourage the effects of yoga for the millions of people who daily they uh, roll the mat and they do their sun salutations and the warriors because I was one of them even before becoming a teacher uh, a teacher and so it's very important to have that in mind it helps people it helps with anxiety it helps with depression it helps with so many conditions and they don't necessarily have to know the a the, the a limbs of yoga the question for me arises is when you as a teacher or you as a facilitator you hit that wall that okay i got it i got this first layer i know that if i have a headache i take tylenol or advil and that is kind of helping me to deal with the symptoms but it doesn't address the main source of discomfort of pain or suffering or injustices and so for those of us which i think the two of you sari and hunter all of us who due to our personal experiences we hit a wall uh, in which sun salutations didn't help us to feel better we needed to start looking other ways and perhaps due to our connection to yoga we invested our time in learning one of the many ways of self-realization as hunter mentioned and then we feel inclined out of the 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 effects of that learning to share these deeper layers of the practice to others but going back to the original question for me that hit hitting the wall it happened when after many years of being a what you will call a kind of successful teacher here in miami and new york or a teacher that you know that that's what yoga teachers do retreats training blah 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 when i was diagnosed with depression when my mom passed away the reality is all those I don't want to say superficial, but all those layers of the practice that I knew to cope in my life with, they weren't helping me. So because I was lingering on the postures and taking classes, doing trainings, but the pain or the discomfort that I was experiencing was so so uh, this, uh, so so deep, I needed to find different ways of understanding that. And that's why the closest thing on my hands was yoga. So I dive fully into it. And the interesting thing, sorry that I'm taking too long to answer that question, is that after going into that deep dive into philosophy, I come out of that circle. And I think Sari and Hunter and you guys are going through the same uh, process that learning that we can help each other to regulate our nervous system with our smile, with our presence, with our intention. So although it's so important to go back and 
and talk about the philosophy of yoga. It's also important to know that science and research, they're just letting us know movement is great. Being together and moving together is great. So I, I find myself softening my heart uh, concepts of postural yoga, yoga, uh, physical yoga, and ultimately I feel that it all kind of uh, intertwined. But my personal experience was not being able to cope with the pain that I was experiencing. And through going deeper into the tradition of yoga, besides the uh, postures, that was what clicked for me. And that's what inspired me to found the Warrior Flow Foundation, ultimately. You, you all shared your personal experiences during the training. Um, and everything that you and, and the other facilitators shared about what yoga can bring to people's life in, in general uh, was pretty impressive in the sense that, you know, it can help. I mean, yoga and eating disorder, like I've never even, you know, like I don't see any link there like at all. I would have never even thought about it. Uh, and that's just one of the things that we talked about. Um, so th that was really fascinating to see how uh, how much yoga can help with so many things in, in life. Um, but also what I thought was amazing, and, and that was probably the biggest like slap in my face, <laughs> was uh, how also yoga is far, 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 far away from being accessible to most people and so to a lot of people that really need it. Um, and and when I say accessible, it can be physically accessible, economically accessible, like socially. It, it's really like on every single level and aspect. And in in the future episode coming with the guests, we're gonna dive into that. Um, but yeah, uh, do, do you want to tell us? Um, any, anyone can pick this one. <laughs> um, what what's missing and which work is is much needed in order to bring yoga to everyone if that's even possible <laughs> i think looking around you and looking at at the spaces that don't have representation i mean we can't have it anymore not not to say that it's bad for for folks to want to take a teacher training and want to teach in a yoga studio, but look at the places and spaces around you and the things that mean the most to you and where yoga teachers are actually needed the most. <laughs> and that's where I think, you know, that's where I think the work lies. You know, are you looking at your local community center? Are you looking at, you know, different ways to bring this to, to different groups that, that mean something to you? I, I think it's stopping the notion that you know this is one trajectory for a yoga teacher you're going to go and teach in a, in a yoga studio i think we've seen it with the trainees from this program we've just seen people take this and run with it and create their own <laughs> their own spaces their own programming um you know i i think it's really taking a stop and looking around you looking within your own communities whether that's where you live physically whether you're lgbtqia whether you have a disability really looking around you and seeing where the need is and and going there 
Yeah, this is also historically a very um, interesting and, and significant moment in in the relatively brief history of yoga in the West because of what has been happening over the last, you know, uh, 13 or 14 months with the COVID-19 mm. pandemic, which, um, you know, it devastated the yoga industry like it, like it did so many other industries. And um, many yoga teachers were and remain largely out of work uh, in the sense that they had, you know, a lot more work before the pandemic and a lot of people were able to sustain themselves and make a living as a yoga teacher or a meditation teacher for that matter um, before the pandemic. And it has forced everyone who works in this, in this industry, if you want to use that word uh, to reassess how you bring yoga to your, your populations that you serve, why you're bringing it to them, how, how are they benefiting from it, um, and and be really creative with uh, finding new ways and new, I would say, motivations for for sharing the practice. Yeah, and also it, in in a sense, uh, if there's one thing positive that we can take out of this COVID situation is that this situation probably helped uh well getting yoga you know online and and outside of the studio uh to make it accessible and i'm kind of i'm careful using this word um but to make it available to more people because everyone doesn't have the time and the finance and and the logistic because studios are only you know downtown or whatever so everyone cannot brings themselves to a yoga studio because of life. So the, the pandemic helped uh, to, well, bring, push the online yoga and I mean the whole fitness movement anyway, it's, just, it's not just yoga, but um, to more people. And now you can practice from, you know, your house whenever you want for way cheaper than one yoga class. Uh, so and that's also, also with, with anyone from anywhere, like anyone from across the globe, like yeah. it doesn't have to be your local studio. And I actually think this training was the perfect timing because <laughs> the amount of trauma that people have gone through this past year and a bit of, you know, being locked at home, not seeing family members, going through pregnancy that the husband's not allowed to go to the births or like just there's just such a huge impact on the children as well, like having to wear masks and being scared of touching anything or anyone. And it's just... I think it's going to be crazy the impacts of this pandemic over the next couple of years and I don't think we'll realize until further down the line and it's amazing to know that we could potentially help people with whatever they're going through as yoga teachers or you know just to try and I don't know it's just hmm. I think it's the perfect time for us to have done it and to now have this knowledge to be able to help our friends and families but also people that we don't know and whoever else we come into contact with. I kind of agree with what Ross is saying. I see this as a time where the resources that were already in place were able to be maximized. But regardless uh, of that uh, opportunity of having more access to teachers from around the world and taking courses online, the reality is that the underprivileged communities 
pre-COVID and after COVID, they didn't see much of that uh, movement. Let's put it away for someone who is on a shelter or someone who is in jail or someone who is dealing with mental health issues. Chances are that this whole situation, it makes things worse. So we need to kind of look into detail to what populations uh, got the opportunity of access more yoga. So although I know what we're saying, that there's more yoga online, more opportunities, it's still a privilege for a few of us. Not all of us can get that level of, uh, and again, I'm going to be careful how I use this word, accessibility into <laughs> yoga. Um, I, I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm saying that it's a step in the right direction. But I think our motivation with this training and the way yoga is going is to keep knocking on the doors that are closed and keep bringing yoga to those who might not have even internet mm-hmm. or they might not have not even the the amount of money to go into donation classes like even ourselves we teach some donation classes for ten dollars and some people can only afford one dollar mm-hmm. and these are people that they live in a cosmopolitan city. They're not. They don't live on, on a, in a, in, a, in the suburbs or anything like that. So it's it's very interesting to see how this has affected everyone in a different way. Definitely, I think it's a positive. It's. I mean, I don't want to say positive, but a necessary step to go through it. Yeah. A, a growing pain. That's how we say in English. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something that was um, really eye-opening during the, the training was when when we talked about it at the end, uh, and especially during the trauma weekend, that was the main, that's when I realized it was, why do we have to teach yoga or why yoga could not be, how do I phrase that? How how could we not teach yoga to, to everyone mindfully by being careful with what we say? Why why do we have special classes that are trauma informed? Like why yeah. why do we have classes that are not trauma informed that potentially we're gonna say things that are gonna trigger people and cause pain? Why are we not just careful in general with every classes and us going for? more than i mean it's not just yoga again but um jeremy you sound like keanu Reeves on the matrix when he took the pill (laughs) (laughs) which one you gonna take the blue or the red (laughs) well i would say that um you know i teach in addition to the things that we do through the foundation i teach a yin yoga class to the public um and in Miami, we're, we're lucky enough, you know, in terms of climate and everything to be able to have classes year round outdoors. So it's an outdoors, socially distanced class. And uh, people from all walks of life show up because it's a, it's a free class to them. It's sponsored by one of the local business organizations. And um, first of all, because it's, it's not, you know, the 
sort of stereotypical skinny white girls that you see in the yoga magazines uh, that are coming to class, but it's people from all walks of life, all ages, all ethnic backgrounds, uh, all levels of experience with yoga, all different kinds of abilities and, and, and disabilities. Um, I have learned from my training in, you know, in make accessible yoga and trauma-informed yoga, I've learned ways to present the practice, the general kind of practice that I'm offering to this group of very diverse people uh, in ways that give that sort of empower them to make choices about what they want to do, what they feel like doing right now, what feels okay to their body in this moment. And, uh, you know, never holding out like a, a rigid standard of this is what you should be doing. This is what the posture should look like, but always uh, giving options and leaving the, the agency in, in their hands, giving them the power to choose what they feel like doing within the context of, of the practice that we're sharing. Uh, and I think that's something that uh, I, I lacked that knowledge and that ability to present it that way before I did this kind of training. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do, obviously, because it's changing a narrative that's been going on for decades now. So, um, a lot of people just don't have the tools. They don't have the awareness of potentially the... Um, like, there's no yoga teacher that's... I mean, most 99%, you know, no one is uh, with bad intention. No one is, is going in a class to trigger anyone or to hurt anyone or whatever. So it's just about having the Some awareness that there's another way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> most of them don't. I mean, <laughs> that's what I mean. I don't want to say everyone, but... <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's, it's most people do the best they can with what they know, with the tools they have. So now it's just a matter of uh, being curious and and getting more education. I mean, we have a training addict right here with Adrian that's just jumping from one yoga teacher training to another uh, every single you know uh, every single time. But 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 that's how you improve. That's how you become a, a, a better human and teacher and how you can uh yeah be part of this this change to make things a bit different i think it's a an interesting line to walk when you decide to make yoga a, a significant part of your life or even your the framework or the lens in which you see your life and the way you relate to others because we're human beings and for the most part we learn just see what's happening in our society these days with COVID, see what's happening with racial tension and how we're learning. Notice how now for the most part when I enter a training everyone is asking okay what are your pronouns? How would you like to be called? Are you he, him, she, her? So society is changing and yoga will keep changing. So as much as many trainings as I keep taking, I'm, I'm sure that it's going to keep evolving. Look at what yoga was a couple of hundred years ago. Look what yoga is now. Look how big of a movement there is for inclusivity in yoga. And also, I think it also depends what are you looking at. If you are looking at yoga just from the physical perspective, that's all you're going to see. 
but if you start to look and you know and you get more resourceful then that's what you're also go- going to see and you're going to see more inclusivity and you're going to be an agent of change into that but uh, i will never try to claim anything and 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 i like how you phrase why there why there was not a, a trauma informed yoga before actually having to have a trauma training i like that but it's the same thing about talking about social justice you needed to i mean not that we needed to but just this is a big conversation but we're learning from 400 years of slavery and we're just kind of catching up so we usually make the mistakes and then we learn from them hopefully and i think the same is happening with yoga yoga is catching up yoga wasn't born perfect either or the way that we know it or the way that was shared it wasn't perfect and it will never be a perfect thing which i think that's the beauty of it so going off what you just said it's actually one of the questions i wanted to ask all of you is what do you see what's the future of yoga what do you see happening who wants to go <laughs> <laughs> um i guess i'll go <laughs> i guess what i dream of and I, we talked about this when we decided to you know go forward with training programs what i dream of is a world where yoga is available to everybody and not just as i get introduced to it later on in life i i you know imagine a world where it's part of school systems it's part of our our preventative medicine it's part of our healing it's just you know everywhere that's that's what i imagine the future is that we we stop looking at, at this in such a limited uh, scope and with the advent of there being more accessible teachers more programs that are going to be more eye opening like this training that are going to expose you to accessibility to expose you to chair yoga to expose you to the use of, of, of props that props are not uh, you know who who knew you guys didn't know things that could be done with with a chair and with the, with blocks and how how different that could make your practice i just see this as just opening hopefully this is the the future that yoga is it becomes accessible to to everybody and not just one subset um of people yeah i would i would say for me I, the way i envision the future of yoga is um building on what we've been talking about in terms of um, trauma awareness and trauma sensitivity not just serving populations uh, that are recovering from trauma but bringing that kind of mentality into any kind of yoga that we present um, so that i think that the history of yoga in the west is not exclusively in the west it's happened in 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 India and in other places as well but the history of yoga in the west is peppered with scandal and so many incidents of 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 broken vows and uh you know people teachers losing track of their ethical compass and um and violating the kind of covenant of trust between teacher and students is you know there's been so many sexual exploitations and abuses of students there've been so many um financial and even drug related things that have gone on in in um 
Western yoga traditions that I think that as I think there's something happening in our society right now with the social justice movement, with uh, racial awareness and, and uh, the movement towards racial justice. Uh, the Even what's happening right now with the pandemic and the economic situation that people are in and the growing awareness that we need a new kind of economic model to, to live in this world together and a new kind of sense of community. And I think that that is going to change the way that we walk into the studio and, and present yoga to people. I think, I think that um, what I can see immediately happening is uh, a, uh, a big wave, a tsunami, let's put it that way, of people reaching out to yoga uh, because they're more aware of the benefits of the practice when it comes to mental health. I see a, a, a health care system collapsing out of uh, not having enough resources or enough capacity to to deal with the needs of the every everyone's needs particularly when it comes to mental health i see that every day in in our uh shelters talking to first responders when you know that the person that you go to when you have a uh a ache like a doctor when you know that that person is already dealing with a lot when you know that the people that come uh, as firefighters or police officers that are already burned out, then you can you cannot expect things to get easier. So there's something something's got to give, and I think with that level of uh, like a pressure cooker building up and COVID, it's doing that. That's going to present a, a wonderful opportunity or a healing opportunity for yoga not necessarily to come to the rescue but to be appreciated for what it actually is an opportunity to connect our bodies with our minds i see a big movement of yoga uh taking a step forward into healthcare and connection to public health i see a movement of more doctors and i see that every day more doctors pushing mindfulness and pushing yoga into uh into their programs trying to find funding within their own organizations to support not only the patients not only their guests in the shelters but also to to give more opportunities to uh to give more tools and resources to their employees who are actually burned out so i see yoga growing at that level um I see the requirements for someone who becomes a yoga teacher more and more uh, separating from the Instagram era. I think almost COVID is going to mark not the end of Instagram as we knew it, uh, the, the, the yoga of Instagram, but the beginning of a new phase where people are not going to be just satisfied by clicking like and someone doing a backbend in Costa Rica because they know that there is more and they know that they there's a, 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 a I want to believe there's a 
a larger understanding of what the practice does and like Sari and I were going through our yoga therapy program and the main reason why we're going to our yoga therapy program is just to be prepared for what's coming next yeah I mean this is not I don't want to sound dramatic what's coming next is great but we need to be prepared and we need to know yeah. that yoga can help to to help in a lot of different areas other than just after instead of choosing going to a happy hour going to a yoga class there's much more than that and i want to circle back to that idea there's nothing wrong with taking yoga three or four times a week it's amazing but there's a big movement and i hope that we are in some way a very small part of that movement in which we're pushing yoga to to uh, a bigger stadium let's put it that way and just to kind of tie what you're saying adrian back to what rosie was saying we already know from studies that are being done right now that there's a huge mental health crisis brewing because of the whole covid pandemic i mean our our mental health care system in america you know in many other countries was already very kind of under uh undervalued uh underutilized over overreached uh uh before the pandemic and i think that so many of the things that you were saying rosie about the traumas that people are experiencing during the pandemic whether it's the trauma of losing a loved one or uh being in social isolation and the feelings of, of depression and anxiety that can come from that. Uh, we're already seeing a lot of evidence that these things are going to dramatically increase uh, coming, coming out of this end of the pandemic that we're hopefully close to. But I think that as Adrian was saying, our, our current systems uh, that are in place to deal with that are really, really inadequate. And they're going to be overwhelmed when even more and more people start coming forward asking for help. So I think the more that we can bring what I would call auxiliary healing tools like yoga and and meditation and stress reduction and mindfulness, bring these things to people who, uh, you know, bring them in as auxiliary supports to any other kind of mental health support that people might be getting. I think it's, it's so much more than a physical practice, although the physical benefits are great. It's also a, a tremendous support for uh, mental health. Yeah. And to go back to what you said, Sari, uh, at the beginning of this question, um, before we wrap it up, is props. Because we, we've, we've been, been like, like even, even just, just be, without talking about, you know, changing the world, <laughs> without even talking about just this, that, that, that was so amazing. Honestly, I, I've never used props in three years of doing yoga. Never. Why? Because I'm better than that. Because I'm young, because I'm, you know, I'm all right. I don't need a prop. I'm not like a, an old man or it's all right. I'll figure it out. I'm good enough. Uh, because yeah, I've I've always I've always seen props as uh, if you can't do this pose, you can use this thing to help you out 
because uh, you're not yeah flexible enough or strong enough or whatever. So I use this prop, you know, to help you out. That 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 was my vision of a prop. So I've never bought a block or a strap or anything. <laughs> and well, using props actually. <laughs> we we changed we changed that a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, just I mean just that you know you don't. You, without even talking about changing the future of yoga just yeah. that if people can realize that uh using a prop is not a sign of weakness you know there's nothing wrong with using a prop like quite the opposite actually it's but then also chair yoga chair <laughs> yoga can be challenging <laughs> who knew i had no idea it's not just for grandma <laughs> it's so, like, uh, I, had, I had no idea yeah i think we talked about this during the ableism um, module that that I taught that you know disability is part of all of our life cycles we're all going to move towards aging and getting older um, we're all going to suffer an injury maybe at some point um, some of us might have a chronic illness at some point we might have cancer at some point um, so so seeing props which can actually deepen your practice can actually make the practice even more <laughs> more it can make it even more challenging believe it or not or or it can be more more supportive as well i think you know i think that this is one of the joys of of incorporating a lot of different views and a lot of different ways of showing accessibility during this training has opened opened eyes um, and, and now there's teachers that want to make this their trajectory that actually do want to work with props and do want to teach, um, you know, chair yoga and chair yoga isn't just relegated for for seniors. It can be for any of us. You know, Adrian and I we were discussing this last weekend. Why not a chair yoga practice if I just went for a two mile run and I, I want to do a seated practice? right right after why not <laughs> you know so, so i think so, it yeah, it's, yeah. can also be something that that's shared between you know me and my 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 aunt or me and my mom so i think it's just a matter of 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 shifting the paradigm and and using a different lens um to see props as this amazing gift because <laughs> they really are they're, they're tools, they're tools. that's, that's they're all they are yeah. I think cool. another thing that uh, I think another thing that's really changing, and certainly it's changed in. I think I don't want to speak for Adrian, and and sorry, but I think it's it's changed the way that we approach our students. Is uh, you might have noticed that there was nothing in this training about adjustments and assists. Um, and that's not just because it was an online training and that's a little bit tricky to teach when the student is sitting by themselves looking at a computer screen. But I, th I this is where I don't want to put words in Adrian's mouth, but I think if we were to run the same training right now and it was live and in person, we would probably leave out assists and adjustments altogether the same way we did in this training because we've entered this new world where uh, through all of this awareness that we're developing, we're, we're like, what, who do you think you are as a 200 hour yoga teacher to go in and touch somebody's body without even, you know, without understanding consent? Like, sure, if you're working with a student that you, or a group of students that are very familiar with you and they're, you know that there's no issues of trauma that are going to be triggered and it's, it's all done in a, in a skillful way, but I think that there's been often this uh, this culture in yoga of just people 
instructors walking around and putting their hands on students' bodies. And uh, it's caused a lot of damage. And I think that that's one of the things about yoga that's going to change. It needs to change. What's interesting as well, though, is as like a, a student of that, I remember going to classes and when like in the beginning of the like when we started yoga and someone would come and like move you a certain place or move your hips or something I remember thinking oh that's a bit weird they just you know touched me there and done like not inappropriately but still and I I didn't want to say anything because you kind of think well you know that's just what yoga is that's just the way that they teach or it's just accepted but then having done this program you start to realize well that doesn't have to be the way yoga is that doesn't have to be the way that people teach you can give really good cues in really good directions which means that you don't have to touch anybody and therefore people don't feel awkward and that was also like a well yeah that makes so much sense like why wouldn't you like like Jeremy was saying like why wouldn't you teach trauma sensitive yoga all the time and just call it yoga why does it have to be your like trauma sensitive and same with the touching like why do you have to touch people why can't you just give directions and not have to touch people just in case it does trigger them like it might not but also it might so why would you why wouldn't you just avoid it at all costs in case you trigger someone. Does that make sense? Like it's just. Yeah, well, I think I think both of these things require a new level of awareness that yeah. that uh, teachers need to develop, and that, that only comes with these kinds of trainings. I also think, you know, we as yogis we tend to focus a lot in what's happening in our yoga community and how the practice is evolving or the areas that we need to work on, but I also like to. Uh, look at what's happening in a larger context this conversation of consent and touch was happening even before COVID and so I think that COVID and going through a global pandemic has pushed this subject to the top of priorities because obviously none of us wanted to be the the, the person uh, carrying a virus to our students or anything like that and nonetheless, we've seen the, the, the resistance of certain yoga communities to wearing masks, social distancing, um, conspiration, uh, different kind of, you name it. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> BS. But I guess what I'm trying to say is when it comes to touch, there's a lot going on. There's the Me Too movement. There's the police brutality. We live in a very violent society. We make assumptions all the time. And then this practice is a very... Uh, it's a very sacred practice. So touching someone, putting your hands on someone, it's, is touching their sacredness. And if you don't know how to do that at that level, just don't do it. If you don't know the implications that your touch can have in someone's body, mind, in someone's soul, in someone's life experiences. And we always tend to think that, oh, maybe this person was sexually abused or it could, but think about someone who might not be used to touch, someone who lives by themselves, someone who hasn't had a hug in in two years, which many of us haven't had that because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So that 
assumption that yoga we need to touch i'm not saying i mean I, i'm not i'm not touching people i'm choosing not to touch people and i haven't adjusted or assisted people in many years now and i'm not going to change that moving forward either but i think it's always nice to put things in in larger context why why do are we expected as teachers to touch why i can go to a club uh, to a fitness club and take boxing pilates and those instructors facilitators are not touching anyone and yet the students who come to a yoga class they're expected to be corrected why is that mentality of power dynamics that because i come to yoga i don't know and the person who's leading the class they know better why do we have that culture is it because it's a, a, a culture that elevates a man uh, as uh, on the lineage of a yoga? So there's a lot of things related to that. You know, you don't take a Sumba class and the teacher is fixing your hips here and there. Mm. But in yoga, there's that expectation. And the reality is that I've been practicing myself and teaching for many years now. I haven't received any adjustment or assist, and I don't think I have gotten less of the practice. Hmm. Quite the opposite. I think there's something empowering when you can use your Literally. words to help someone to have that connection to their bodies. I think one of our, our colleagues mentioned this the other day in a, in a podcast, and it really hit me hard. If I was on a first date, with somebody, would I let them lay their entire torso on top of my body during downward dog and put their hands on my hips if I was on a first date? I, w I would probably lo lose my cookies. <laughs> so why would it be okay for the first time we're, fun we're meeting a teacher for them to do that to mm. us? And it really, it, it blew me out of the water when I really thought about it. But it wouldn't be acceptable with somebody that I was you know, going out with for the first time, then why would it be acceptable? <laughs> you know, the first time I, I practiced with a, a yoga teacher at, or at any, or at any given time, it, it mm. makes you think. Yeah. Definitely mm. makes you think. So, uh, if anyone is interested into learning from all of you guys, um, what's coming next? Do you want to give us dates, details? I'll link everything, but... Um, so we have our upcoming 200-hour uh, online conscious yoga teacher training starting on September 11th. And one of the modules from that uh, teacher training is our trauma weekend, which is going to be open to, the, to anyone who wants to do just that weekend as a standalone training. We also have, uh, as part of that training, an anatomy weekend with Andrea Borrero from New York. And that it's also going to be one of the modules that's going to be open for everyone who wants to learn more about anatomy. And we also have uh, Sari's uh, module. I don't know, Sari, if you want to share a little bit more about the module that you, you'll be teaching. And that's going to be also open to everyone. Right. It was chair yoga originally, but it'll probably be morphing a little bit more towards... Uh an amalgamation of accessibility, chair yoga, and a little bit more of a more robust and, and fuller weekend into accessibility. Yeah, so we have those, uh, the two trainings. We also have um, uh, 
we're launching through the foundation uh, a cancer and chronic illness class, hopefully starting next month. That's going to be online, free of cost, and uh, Sari is going to be leading that class. We are offering, uh, for those who are in Miami, a Saturday morning chair yoga class on Lincoln Road at 9 a.m. every Saturday. And for the teachers who finish their 200-hour teacher with us, we're offering a community class on Thursdays at at the 1111 Lincoln Road here in Miami, Uh, a weekly class, Thursday, 7 p.m. And that's an opportunity for the community to come and take classes with our new facilitators. Um, What else do we have coming? We, through the foundation, we continue offering programs at local shelters such as Camilo's house, Lotus house. We have a new program coming at Christie house and we're constantly looking for new opportunities, new doors to open um, to bring the benefits of yoga. For anyone who wants to learn more about the foundation, they can visit our website or look for us on Instagram, the Warrior Flow Foundation. Um, All of our events uh, that we do, such as our Sunday class and Lincoln Road, there are on our official Instagram page, which is Warrior Flow Official. And um, yeah, we're doing all of that. There's going to be more coming up uh, next year. And we're also taking time to uh, to travel. So next year we're organizing two retreats, one to um, Spain and one to Italy. So it's not all, not everything taking trainings, Jeremy. Sometimes we sometimes we go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah, and if also people want to take classes with you guys online, uh, they can find you on Wireflow TV. Yeah. So we have uh, our almost one year old baby, uh, Wireflow TV, that. It's actually very meaningful for us because Warrior Flow TV was born uh, at the time with COVID, actually, when we all find ourselves in lockdown all around the world. And so we decided, okay, we need to put our classes online. And so a group of teachers from all around the world, we came together and started to offer the classes. And then that grew into a more robust and organized platform that it is Warrior Flow TV now. It's a monthly subscription or annual subscription where Hunter has classes, um, Sari has classes in there, and uh, many other teachers from around the world. And hopefully I heard a rumor has it that Rosie and Jeremy will be teaching in that platform (laughs) too. Jeremy still does not want to teach. Maybe one day, maybe I'll. I know, that that is the... (laughs) That's the elephant in the room. Jeremy's going to teach uh, chakrology. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. I need to figure something. I need to finish a book about it. <laughs> a, chakra, a chakra flow. Yeah. <laughs> I will make sure to leave all the resources, everything linked uh, in the show notes so people can get in touch, uh, sign up for the different classes training uh yeah everything you have going on so people can find you easily um i think that's it 
Yeah, thank you so much <laughs> for sharing everything. It was obviously we've talked to you for hours and hours and hours now. We know you very well, <laughs> but it was nice to share some of this information with our listeners as well. For people who might be interested in taking the training or maybe practicing online with you, whatever it is, connecting on Instagram. You know, I think the more that we can make yoga accessible to everyone, the better the world will be, honestly. And I think what you're doing is incredible. I just think you're all amazing. And thank you for everything you do. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the, the, the purpose of, of, of this episode really was also to just uh, spread the word because, you, you you know, there's so much you can do, but people need to know about it. <laughs> uh, ultimately, people need to know. And, and, and yeah, the, the idea of this episode was just to share with people that there is another way to see yoga, maybe, let's put it this way, uh, and not just what Google or Instagram uh, are showing you. So, yeah, there are different alternatives and, and, and it's much more, not complicated, much deeper than what we see usually. So, yeah, that was, if, if anyone got any value from that, that was the goal of it. So <laughs> Thank you for having us. Thank we really you. appreciate the time. No, thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah, we have special episode coming in the next few weeks with guests from the training to dive deeper into the subject we're gonna have a, an episode about uh, yoga and social justice an episode about accessible yoga and an episode about uh, body positivity and in, in, in yoga so stay tuned for that there's still a lot to learn <laughs> yeah stay tuned leave us a review if you enjoyed this make sure you go and say hello to everybody that we've talking spoken to today and we'll be back next wednesday Bye.